My name is Justin Gage, and you're tuned in to the Aquarium Drunkard Transmissions Podcast with your host, Jason Woodbury. Great to have you back. Thanks again for joining us here on Transmissions. My guest this week is Martin Courtney of Real Estate. They've got a new album out this week. It's an EP called Half a Human. And uh, Martin and I connected to discuss what it was like to put it together during the pandemic, uh, getting a a new drummer in the process, uh, exploring some new directions with a trusted collaborator and... uh, sort of the influence of the live music element and uh, uh, yeah I think it was a great talk and I really enjoyed hanging out with Martin and getting to ask him a bunch of questions so I uh, without further delay let's get into it but before that I want to remind you of course that uh, one of the best ways you can support this podcast is by sharing it telling folks about transmissions you might have noticed that there's no advertising on the uh podcast as of late um that might change at some point but right now we're just trying to focus on making sure that we're delivering the most uh interesting and fun and uh exploratory conversations that we can so what you can do to help us do that is share share this you can leave a rating or a review wherever you listen uh and if you want to take your support a step further aquarium drunkard is on patreon so go check it out over there All right, here is my talk with Martin Courtney of Real Estate. Pick up your copy of Half a Human this this Friday, and uh, I'll speak with you more on the other side. Uh, Martin, thanks so much for joining us here on Transmissions. I appreciate you taking the time. Thanks for having me. So before the lockdown, real estate went on a, a sort of guerrilla tour of defunct New York record stores. Um, I think you played outside of other, mu- well, well, the former locations, you know, other music, Rocks in Your Head and Kim's. So I thought maybe we could start with a two-part question which is one, uh, how important were record stores to you growing up? And two, if you walk in a record store now, where are you going first? Like when you, like where, 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 where you got ahead? Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, well, growing up, it was me and Alex from the band and Julian also, um, you know, a bunch of us grew up together, uh, in this little you know suburb of new york city um so you know there were really the only real record store up until when we were in high school this little uh like actual cool little record store opened up for about like a year but then shut down again because it did like in our town um because like there's really not that kind of clientele in our town but we were really lucky to live close to the city so um yeah we would like take the bus in and go to specifically those 
stores that you mentioned, especially like for some reason, rocks in your head was like, I don't know. We would go there a lot. Um, and yeah, I mean, they were important in that. Like, I think we kind of had the classic experience of like, I mean, maybe not actually talking to the person behind the counter as like a 16 year old. I was so shy, but like even just being surrounded, like, you know, and like getting the like, you know, suggestion from the cool, like older music, uh, aficionado. Although maybe there was a little bit of that. Um, there was that, which I will get to, but specifically when we, when we would go to the city, it would just be like, just to be exposed to like that whole world as a high school kid was really exciting. Um, and, uh, and yeah, and you know, just seeing like kind of being like vaguely aware of something like elephant six or something and then seeing like a whole section of elephant six like cassettes and cdrs and stuff at like rocks in your head and being like i'm just gonna buy a couple of these and see what you know see what it is and being exposed to music that way was really cool um and then yeah when this this little store did open up in our town we ended up kind of like just the you know like grasping onto this guy whose name was josh who started the store who was probably like my age now um you know, like a young guy, he had like a young kid. Yeah. And like, you know, him and his wife just like moved to town and he, you know, idealistically started this record store, but you know, we were just like, give us jobs. And he was like, yeah, I can't, he was like, I can't hire anyone. Like, you know, this is like a (laughs) small operation, but if you want, you can hang out and like help me organize things. And he definitely introduced me to a few things. Like he was, he showed me like Yola Tango for the first time. He's like, I think you'd like this, which was cool. Cause you know, they became one of my favorite bands. Um, and uh, what was the other part of the question? The <laughs> other part of the question is when you walk in a record store now. Oh, uh, yeah. What what section do you go to first? I mean, I tend to always... I haven't been to a record store in a long time um, at this point, but I I, I I, used to always just go to the um, the new arrivals. The, the new used arrivals, which maybe a lot of people do, but that just to me seemed like it's it's kind of all mixed together, but like maybe you're going to find something cool that like has, it's, it hasn't really been picked over yet, you know, I guess. So that's that's my general like first stop for sure. So, somehow I knew that's what you were going to say, but that's <laughs> because that's what I do too. And yeah. I was like, yeah, that's what everybody does. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like you go... Let's see what they got here in this spot where they've put the stuff that sort of hasn't, yeah, exactly. Like you said, hasn't been picked over. Yeah. You haven't had as many diggers sort of, uh, you know, getting all of the, the gold out, you know, in that, that area. For sure. I feel like, you know, what you were talking about is such an interesting thing because the beauty of, uh, I mean, how often would you buy something, you know, from, let's say, the Elephant Six section that you weren't a hundred percent sure what it was i mean a hundred percent of the time (laughs) like with that you know with that specific section it was definitely just like well you know i've heard you know like i'm into whatever neutral milk hotel or like uh apples and stereo or something so like whatever this beulah band is they're probably pretty cool and you know what i mean stuff like that like definitely um Definitely, I would just go blind into things like that. Yeah. Um, and, like, I remember specifically, like, I bought the the first Stephen Malkmus solo record, like, right, you know, when it, right when it 
came out, it was like probably on a display or something. And I was like, I, I think this is the guy from Pavement. <laughs> like, I didn't really know anything. Um, and I brought it home and just, you know, loved it. Um, you know, and for some reason, all those kind of, I mean, maybe not, I haven't really listened to the Elephant Stick stuff in a while, but like a lot of the stuff that I kind of discovered at that point in my life, I mean, this is also probably true for most people, like that remains to this day, like some of my favorite music or, you know, the stuff that I kind of like, you know, cherish. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's obviously there's the, the factor of it being, you know, having sort of the personal nostalgic value and, and, you know, at that point in your life, it's really easy to become attached to stuff like that. But I also think that what you're talking about and that kind of discovery is such an interesting thing that, you know, now it, it's, I'm sure that there's still the feeling of, of going in blind, you know, even for kids who listen primarily, you know, on streaming platforms and stuff. I'm sure that that, that feeling exists in some form or another, but it, it just, it seems, you know, like so different than the yeah. way most media is interacted with now. Um, yeah, I can't really, it's just one of the, I mean, I hope so. And I'm sure it, it is. I mean, there's definitely like people still love music and, and are discovering it somehow and it, doesn't, it almost doesn't matter how you know people find it as long as um it's still people are still forming these relationships with it um you know like i don't want to say like going to a record store is like the best way like you know or talking to the like probably sort of snobby person behind the counter like that you're scared of but like knows a lot or or maybe friendly who knows i'm just saying like that's definitely not there are lots of ways to um to approach music fandom for sure but um yeah i don't know i mean i i definitely f find things now like you know i guess through just like blogs you know like stuff like you guys like whatever you know posting things on instagram or whatever just and just being like that cover looks the cover art looks cool or like that description kind of like you know right uh sounds interesting to me so i mean I guess that's just how you do it now. I mean, it's it's every once in a while, very very rarely, it'll be through like I'm gonna click on this like playlist that Spotify like algorithm put together for me. And like I, every once in a while, I found stuff through that. Although I kind of hate it, but I mean, I don't hate the music. Um, you hate that you hate that they pegged you that way. They got yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, or way. like yeah. yeah. I mean, for sure. Or that it's just like yeah, that it wasn't. I mean, I'm sure in some way there is like there's a reason that it was put in front of me that isn't just like ones and zeros, but maybe yeah. not. I don't know. It feels a little weird. Um, although, you know, any any way to like find out about something that I hadn't heard before that is exciting is definitely not a bad thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, kind of on the on the record nerd uh, side of things, uh, I was thinking about how Half a Human is, uh, it's great, and I really, really have enjoyed it. I've been listening to, specifically the title track, probably my most listened to single of the, of the year. Um, awesome. <laughs> I, just, I just keep listening to it over and over again. But I was thinking about how, you know, it's categorized as an EP, um, and then I started thinking about how, I mean, Slayer, Slayer's Rain and Blood is like 29 minutes long. Beach Boy's Wild Honey is only 24 minutes long. Uh-huh. And I, I wondered, is it, is it cool with you if I consider this like a full real estate LP? A, uh, mi a mini LP. Yeah, sure. I always, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, you know, I wish, 
I wish we could convince our, our label that it was an LP. <laughs> um, do you, no. do you, I mean, the, is there, as you, as when you conceive of it, I mean, does it feel like there is sort of a discernible, does, when does an EP become an, a mini LP for you? Well, I mean, I think some of it has to do with length. Um, my dog is going to bark in the background. Um, yeah, mine will at some point. It's like it's impossible to keep it from it's, happening. It's fine. It's the the reality of doing these things. Um. Uh. Yeah. No. I think it's length. I think it's cohesion. You know. Like. And I. I think these songs fit together pretty well. Um. I mean, p- partially. Like, I think to me, like. It's, like the reason it's an EP and not an LP, I mean, besides the fact that it's only six songs and I think in my head, I'm like an LP is at least nine songs (laughs) like, or whatever, um, is the fact that like these songs kind of got their start during the sessions for another LP. Mm -hmm. And like, so I guess in, in my mind, it's like, you know, it's sort of tied continuation it's tied to that record. Whereas like, if we were, if we were going to just, if these were like, if we had a batch of six songs, that were like kind of, you know, beefy songs like the, these ones are. Like they're, they're lengthwise. I think it could it could count. And if we were like, this is a project. Like these were these are six songs. We're gonna go into the studio and record them. Like then maybe it would be something that where I I would be thinking about it differently. But since yeah. but since it's like, I mean, these songs were by no means finished at all during like once we when we were, we kind of like left them by the wayside at a certain point to focus on the record of the songs that ended up on the LP. Um, yeah. and we were like, we're getting, we're going to, we'll get, we'll get to you guys later. Um, and part of me was like, we'll, we'll set these guys aside for the next record. But then I felt, then I think once all this stuff happened with COVID and whatever, it was just like, it was hard to imagine carrying these songs forward onto another record. Like they felt like they were from, a very specific previous era of the band. And I was like, any songs that get written from now on, it's just like, it's going to feel weird mixing them. So then it was like, but we also didn't want to just let those songs, you know, die. Um, we wanted, so it was like, and we were excited about them, you know, like the reason they kind of fell to the side, like it, it was almost like we were, we felt like we had so much good material Initially, we were like, well, maybe we should put fewer songs on the main thing and just split this into two full albums. And then we were like, well, you know, why why do that? You know, like, whatever. And it, there's a lot of discussion. Of course. Um, but, uh, yeah, so so that's a long way of answering your question, which is to say you know, this definitely feels like an, an EP to me. But if people see it as something stronger than i mean you know like in the tradition of i think good eps like it definitely stands on its own you know and and i think the only thing that keeps it from being an actual lp is is like yeah just basically the number of songs on it yeah i think that i mean that's that's absolutely right that like a a good ep you know you you we've already mentioned yo latango who in addition to making some of my favorite lps when they put an ep out it's usually you know such a cool and and um, unique and you know it's pared down yeah. in terms of you know length or whatever but often it, it gives them a chance to explore uh, stylistic detours and stuff like that and, yeah. and there's a little there's a little of that on this record but but I'm curious because uh, so did did most of these songs sort of have their roots in the sessions that you guys did with 
it's Kevin McMahon, right? Kevin That's McMahon. how you. Yep. Yeah. So yeah. so most of these had roots in in the main the main thing sessions. Yeah, I mean they all did. Um, yeah, and I mean yeah, it's true that I think. I mean, I, like when we when we kind of finished this thing, and then you know definitely like when I got the test pressing and I was listening to it, I was like, this is cool. Like, I I almost think sometimes EPs. Yeah, I mean it's it just is different. It's a different vibe, for lack of a better word, than yeah. than an LP. And but it it kind of has its own feeling when you listen to it. Like a good, you know, it's like it's I don't know. I, it's hard to put this this feeling into words. I've thought about it a lot, and I'm, and I've, I'm like I'm going to try and describe this in an interview at some point. I'm going to sound like an idiot, but like I'm so honored yeah, like, that you'll you'll sound like an <laughs> yeah, idiot with with us with you with you guys. Um, <laughs> no, like. Yeah, just kind of like whatever that feeling is, like when you put on like the cool, you know, it, it almost feels like, well, this is like a lesser thing in their discography. However, like maybe it has like one of my favorite songs of, you know, or whatever, like Absolutely. So that, that's kind of like the feeling that I was getting when I was listening to, to this EP. And I was like, oh, this is, I'm glad that we kind of took the time to do this. You know, it, we only have one other EP from earlier from like, you know, right when our first record came out. Um, and so it's kind of nice to kind of have this sort of in the grand scheme of like all the, the records that we've put out to have yeah. like this cool little thing. And, and it's also true that I think if we had included these songs on a record, we probably would have had, we, I would have, I would assume that like there would have been some editing done <laughs> like to them. Like, I think, I think we kind of allowed these songs to be like, kind of like, for example, in the garden is like. I think like over six minutes long and it's got this long outro that is fairly repetitive, but it builds and it kind of goes on its own little journey. But I think if we were going to have it on like an actual record, we probably would have cut it a little bit shorter and like edited it and kind of made it kind of more of a normal song length. So there's a few things like that on the record where we, we just kind of allowed it to be weirder because we were like kind of the stakes are a little bit lower or like or whatever and and, be, and through that you almost end up with something that that's more surprising or whatever. I was thinking about it and, and I know with the main thing there was, you know, sort of a conscious effort to, to shake up wh what you do when you make records, you know? And so I thought about how um, I think that, you explored a lot of new terrain on that record, and then that continues with this EP. But it does feel maybe slightly less, uh, maybe a little woollier, a little, a little like uh, more open around the edges. Mm -hmm. And uh, that must have been an interesting thing to explore. I mean, there's almost a D plus almost feels like some sort of like prog country thing or something. So it's like this is such a cool thing. I just wonder that that willingness of. Um, you know, it's no no secret that obviously there's a, a sound associated with what you do that mm -hmm. is recognizable and that people love to sort of slot these things into their, their chill playlists and all uh -huh. that stuff. But it <laughs> but it does feel like there's a, a an increasing interest uh on your part to to like shake out of that a little bit, to to try some other things. And I just wonder you know, you've been a band for, for a while now. Does it feel just like this is the natural, you just want to keep it fresh and interesting for yourself and, and, and for the listeners who have been around for the whole ride? Someone like Kevin, who, I mean, you guys worked with him in 
2011, right? He, he, was, yeah. he worked on Days, he, right? Pre- yeah, he did the Days record, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, working with somebody who's 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 been with you, who knows you that well, you know, I have to imagine that allowed you to feel that much more comfortable uh, trying, trying new things, exploring. Yeah, I mean, that was the idea. Like, we kind of, yeah, w- went into this record with um, kind of aware of the fact that people kind of associated a certain sound with us and... Yeah, like you said, like they kind of pe- people seem to have us pegged <laughs> um, for better or for worse. I mean, I, I don't think it's a bad thing at all. Um, but you know, we were like, you know, let's try and. Uh, and the, I mean, the other funny thing is, I do I do think that with each record, we really have like tried to push ourselves to to like expand our horizons. But I think with this one in particular, we were just like, we're gonna we're gonna really like, you know, yeah, like kind of open things up and and. The decision to work with Kevin, it, it was almost counterintuitive because cause initially you'd think like, you know, okay, we, we want to like try new things. Like, why would we go back to the guy that we, you know, made like, you know, in some people's, you know, fans of ours would consider to be like a seminal record for us. And like, so why would we go back to him rather than like, you know, try something totally different? But like you said, um, that the thought process was basically like we're going to be really comfortable with this guy we know him and he is going to actually push us harder than somebody that we don't necessarily know as well because you know that's kind of how it is with people that you know if if you if you're comfortable with somebody you can kind of like speak the truth to them you know and and that's kind of how he he was with yeah. us he's like what do you what are you guys trying to do here you know like if he felt like we were you know sleepwalking through something you know he would let us know and that was that was kind of what we wanted from him um yeah yeah what's he i i I, we'll get back to to some of the the themes that you're talking about but um i i while i was preparing for this interview i started looking kevin up personally Mm -hmm. uh he's got like kind of a he's pretty all over the place history wise right uh sort of involved in in industrial music at one point like how does all that factor in do you how how did you guys meet him so we it's a good story <laughs> um when i was in high school i was in a band with patrick sickles who is the main songwriter in titus andronicus and yeah um, another friend of ours andrew cedarmark who, who puts out really great records under his own name um still to this day but anyway we had a band um that we were like, you know, took really seriously and we're like, you know, like whatever. It was, it was, uh, we decided to make an album and we were all really big fans of the Walkman. And I was on the Walkman website one day and saw that they had a studio in Harlem, um, that was like rent our studio. (laughs) So like, you know, we kind of pooled our money together and rented the studio and, and, you know, I think half thinking that we were going to be like produced by like, whatever some guy from the walkman um but it was like kevin was kind of their in-house engineer guy and um so we met him then when i was like 18 and we always kept in touch and he ended up producing a couple i think maybe every titus andronicus record and uh he was just somebody that we always kept in touch with and then so then when we finally like had a budget to make our first like you know once real estate started happening um 
in our first record, we kind of home recorded. And then the second record, we were like, okay, we're going to go to a real studio. Like Kevin was kind of the obvious guy to ask. Um, so that's how we met him. And he's been, yeah, kind of sort of part of this, like my whole musical journey from when I was a kid. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so he has worked on a lot of stuff. He's, he like produced a couple like Swans records, I think. And like, he does, he's just kind of like our guy. Um, and yeah. it's, yeah, it's funny. I mean, I think with our particular style of music, like, yeah, I think on the surface that we were pretty different stylistically, but he also really gets it. Um, and it's also like, we kind of just know, you kind of know what you're getting into with him. Like it's, it's, it's definitely like a two way street and he's, and he's going to push back on certain ideas from us and we're going to have to push back on certain ideas from him, but it's definitely like really collaborative. Whereas like I was saying before, certain other times when we've made records with people, you know, super talented producers who like, we've always gotten along with everyone that we've worked with. So like, I'm, I'm not saying we've ever had a bad experience, but it's just when you, when you meet somebody and then like the next day you're making an album together, it's just a very different experience, you know, like if, you know, right. kind of getting to know them as you're doing this thing that's like on the permanent record. And, um, it's just, it's just a little bit different, you know? I mean, and you end up yeah. with sometimes it just, the results vary when you do things that way. You've, you've obviously known Alex and Julian for, uh, a very long time, you know? So that sort of familiarity that you're talking about is baked into to that aspect. But there's also been a willingness, uh, with real estate to, to go all over the map and, and to bring other people into the, to the fold, you know? Uh, you guys got a, a new drummer amidst pandemic? Is that, <laughs> how, how does that work? How do you find a new drummer when the world is crashing down? I mean, actually, that that's, that was also, we have Kevin to thank, uh, Kevin McMahon. Uh, I mean, basically what happened was like, Jackson mentioned right before the record, a couple weeks before the main thing came out, you know, like maybe two or three months before we were going to start touring that he was just like, I just don't really want to tour on this record. And we're like, damn, like, <laughs> like, you know, that sucks because we really love you. And also like you played on this thing and we really, you know, like whatever. And also we have to now find a drummer. And like, um, this was obviously pre, you know, lockdown. And when we still thought we were going to be touring, um, right. So yeah, we started asking around and we talked to a few different people and Sammy, um, she's local to me. She lives up in Kingston. So she's kind of like in the area and she came highly recommended, um, through Kevin, who's worked with her on some other projects. Um, and, uh, you know, basically he knows us, he knows our style and he also knows us as people. And so I was like, you know, right. I trusted him to, uh, you know, I trusted his suggestion. I mean, and, you know, we, because we're kind of asking a lot. So, I mean, um, you know, we were basically like, do you have three months to spare <laughs> um, to go on tour? Um, but yeah. And so we, you know, we, we got to know her and she's really, really awesome. And we've like, yeah, to this day have not been able to play a show together, unfortunately. Um, but we've done a bunch of stuff like remotely with her, um, you know, different like sessions that we've had to record. And like, I mean, 
she's in now. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, so it's great. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, I think about so so the the sort of roots of these songs, the the basic stuff was maybe there from the sessions with the record, but you so did ja- spend Jackson, time like Jackson plays on the EP, like right, like he, right. Yeah. But but did you overall? I mean, in order to finish this EP up, did you 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 all? you know sort of remotely collaborate how did how did that process feel to you yeah i I mean it was it was cool i think like we had to do a few few different things um like i was saying like we had to do these like radio sessions and stuff and that was that like which was like you know record a cover or like re-record some songs or whatever like things that we would normally have done live like on tour we would have showed up at the radio station and like recorded a session um you know, but as a way of promoting the album, we just did them remotely. And that was sort of like proof of concept that we were able to do it. And for some reason, we'd never really done stuff like that before, even though like, I'm sure a lot of musicians would say the same thing. It's just like, the infrastructure was there, but we just never thought to do it. Um, But we were like, that was cool. Like, you know, and then so then we started like passing demos around that way. And then sort of the idea came to finish this EP. And it was yeah, so it was I mean, it It was comfortable. Honestly, it worked really well. It was just like, you know, listen to these songs, like, you know, each member of the band, or basically me and Matt and Julian and, and Alex, because um, the, the percussion was pretty much there. Um, and it was just like, you know, if you, f- like, there were certain things where I was like, I think this part needs a guitar solo, or I think, like, maybe we could add some, like, cool, like, synth pads here, or whatever. Um, but it was mostly just like, if you hear anything that you want to add or if the, you know if you have any ideas just record them just send everything um yeah. and then like and there was one or two songs um that needed vocals so i had to you know write some lyrics and then um and then we, we just booked like i booked like a couple days with kevin you know and back in september of last year and went in all you know masked up and spent a couple of days just like um mixing the thing and kind of editing the parts together and like turning it into like a cohesive unit so yeah it was sort of a hybrid of like remote and then like a little bit of in studio it's 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 really interesting because half a human leans in so much to the sort of live element you know it feels like such a you know i mean it's not that it's not that that's the first time those sort of jammier tendencies have emerged in the discography i think they're sort of They've been there, you know, but it's mm-hmm. cool to hear it embraced the way it is. And I loved the sort of contrast of that sort of jammy or very live feeling, very groove and like kind of on stage inspired thing, you know, uh, being paired with exactly what you're talking about, which is sort of incorporating ideas that were done more individually and sort of forming yeah. in that into a, a more just, cohesive thing. <laughs> it just shows how, how easily, uh, we can be fooled by like like what i'm saying like we like we recorded like half a human and we've actually employed this method a few times but like like the first half of the song is sort of more traditional song structure and then the second half is like this jam so it's all recorded live but we recorded it in sections and we did the first half um you know all together you know with then you know added some overdubs and then the second half pretty much almost all live um which was and you know because also like it was like we recorded the first part to a click and then we recorded the second part just you know just jamming without a click 
just to, you know, have it feel a little more loose. Um, but there is like, there are some elements, I, I guess I probably won't say which ones, but like there are some elements of that jam section that were recorded, you know, post COVID remotely, but that, you know, like, and I was a little worried that like they weren't going to blend so well or that they would stick out or like, you know, it, it just wouldn't have that like vibe that like you get when everyone's yeah. playing in a room. Right. But it did. <laughs> it just like, it just did. You just put it in there and you're like, all right, this sounds great actually. Um, yeah. Does, I mean, does, does keeping some sense of that vibe require you to get in a certain headspace or my, like, what is it, what does it take to sort of make sure that it has that, that feel? Because again, like I said, I've listened to this thing over and over again and it does, it feels like, you know, the waves crashing, it's got the live feel. It's, uh -huh. it's, it's great, you know, but what do you do to sort of make sure that the stuff doesn't end up accidentally becoming sterile or, or, or less, you know, less uh, emotionally satisfying than, than what it is that you ended up with on this record? I mean, I think if you're recording music, no matter how you're doing it, I mean, I'm speaking for myself, but I think all of us in the band, it's like, you got, you, I mean, you just get into the headspace of like the song, you know, and you, you know, listen to it a few times and to, to get a few takes until you get something that you're excited about. But like, yeah, I mean, I think you just kind of, um, get into it, you know? <laughs> yeah. And I think I, cause yeah, I, I yeah. think that's, I think that's what happened. You know, I think, I think, I think it's just like, you can kind of close your eyes and pretend you're there kind of thing. Um, did, which is yeah. like, I mean, it's true. It's like vocals. I've always overdubbed vocals, and that's always been kind of like, it's it's tricky. Like, it's that's actually like a very specific example of like, you really want to be in the headspace. You want to you want to, yeah, ideally be playing live. But like for me, like it just, you know, I'm not gonna get a perfect take simultaneously with like the band getting a perfect take you know like i, I really want to take my time with the vocals so like of course so yeah. it's like it is a really it's like you know it, i would say it's like acting but like you're really you're just, I, I mean it's just, just the only difference between playing it live with the band and s standing in the studio with headphones on in front of a microphone it's just like I just have the head, you know, I just have the music cranked really loud and I'm just, you just kind of have to just go there. Um, yeah. Yeah. But I think it's important with every element, every single element, even if you're, if you're just like shaking a shaker, you got to kind of have to be into it. I mean, this is, I guess this sounds like very basic, like music making to anyone that's a musician who's listening, but like, it's, it's just, that's just how it is for sure. Yeah. I mean, and I think that, that, that sort of, you, you mentioned, you know, it's an, it's a good example of how, sort of easily we can we can get fooled um and i but i but i think about even 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 more than that i think it's an example of the sort of weird intentionality of of playing something you know mm -hmm. it's like like if you believe that the that there's a a good way to get to where you're trying to go you know then the setting is is maybe slightly less important you know and i think that comes down to the fact that we're talking about we opened the interview with you guys in front of old, you know, storefronts where I'm sure the acoustics and all that stuff far from yeah. ideal, you know, but, but those, those you're, were you're... some of my favorite performances in a long time. I mean, and then the, and obviously in hindsight, they were the last ones we were able to do. So like I have, you know, a certain fondness for that day, but like in my mind, but I mean, even remember just, just in the moment doing it, I remember specifically being like, this is so 
cool. Like, I mean, first of all, just because I wasn't sure if anyone was going to come at all. And then there was, all you know, like each place that we went to, there was like a little crowd around us, you know, like, I don't know how many people, but whatever. Um, and just being out, like, I've never really done that kind of like busking thing, like out on the street in New York, you know, and it was beautiful. It was like a weirdly beautiful day for the time of year that it was. Um, and it was just like, you know, I don't know. It just felt really good to play outside without a microphone um, yeah. for people and to be playing those songs, the new, you know, the new music. Um, it Yeah, it was, it's almost like it was, yeah, it was almost like it was better because the acoustics weren't, were, were not ideal because it was like we were just kind of leaning into that. And yeah, it was, it was a fun day. Do you, you know, obviously you haven't been able to play proper live shows you've mentioned radio stuff and remote collaborations but how 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 much have you missed playing live on a stage over the last year or year and some change at this point i mean a lot <laughs> like especially i mean early on it was like just devastating it was like totally like the world collapsed and it was kind of traumatizing because it's just like what who am i right now like what am I supposed to be doing you know like I everything that was I had kind of built my identity around was you know at least you know creatively um was no longer available to me and Mm -hmm. so that really sucked um for a while but like you know then then it got to a point now where I'm like I'd really miss it still and I you know like dream about it or like you know just daydream about it and and think about it's gotten to a point where like it's there's a huge feeling of gratitude for ever having had those experiences in the first place like just being like I can't believe like I'll think about like festivals we played or even just anywhere like I just like any any show I'm so grateful to have been able to play and for like, you know, the memories of like pe- people came, people come and see us play live. It's, you know, you know, it's such a beautiful thing. And like, and I, you know, it's, it's funny cause it's not like even at the time, I don't think we ever got, I never really got like jaded. Like I always loved it. And I always kind of thought about how, how great it was that we got to do it as, as for, you know, for a living. But like now when I think back at it, I'm, I'm just like, I mean, I think it's because I also, the other side of that is like, I could not possibly imagine playing a show. <laughs> like at, at this point, like, it's like, it, it feels like a whole different universe that I, it feels like a dream. Um, it feels like it didn't actually happen. Uh, and I'm sure it'll, it's definitely going to happen again. We really want to play shows as soon as we can, but like, um, but yeah, I'm like scared to do it. <laughs> like, yeah, um, you know, I'm definitely like, you know, like, I mean, you know, not, nece- I'm not even talking about like, uh, the safety precaution, you know, reasons for being scared, you know, like I, I, we wouldn't do it if it wasn't like a hundred percent, um, safe. Uh, but it's more just like, I, I'm just like, we're going to suck. <laughs> like we're going to be so rusty or like whatever. Like, but again, I mean, even that is like, we're, we would have to get together and, and rehearse and all that stuff. Like, I, but, yeah. um. But yeah, I don't know. It's just it's just a weird thing. I get like nerves now when I think about playing shows. Um, yeah, but, but yeah. at the same time, I miss it and I really want to do it. It, it. it probably wasn't like that before, right? Like, like ro- rolling into a play a show. No, you know, like I'm, yeah, the nerves the nerves had long since faded. You know, I'm sure, right? Yeah, I would. Yeah, I would say like 
yeah, like I was saying, like I, I never, I was never like jaded by, you know, I always was grateful for being able to play shows, but like, yeah, it was definitely got to a point where it was, ve it was very like business as usual. Like we're going to roll up, we're going to play the show. Like it didn't even matter. Like it could, cause you know, on tours, depending on the city, you're either, you know, for us, it's like, we were either playing, we could be playing for anywhere from 300 to 1500 people, depending on the city or whatever, or more, um, or less, <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. and, uh, and it wouldn't really matter, you know, like it would be like, well, this is the important show. This is like, you know, the San Francisco show or this is the New York show. Like, mm -hmm. um, you know, I wouldn't get nervous and it was just, you know, you know, I guess the more people, the more exciting it was or whatever. Whereas earlier on in this band, I would be, I would get very, very nervous. I was kind of scared of playing shows. It's almost like I'm back. I'm back to being like 23 or something. I um, mean, that's, there's something maybe sort of beautiful about that. And then there's something weird about that too. I think it's so interesting. Half a human is almost sort of like a reflection on the, the monotony of, of being on, on the road. And, and, and then I think about how interesting that, the last year has turned it on its head. So I hear it in so many, I hear it in a, not, like when I think about it now, or when I first started to engage with it, that half a humanness, it felt like it was speaking directly to the half of humanness that I feel and have felt for a long time. You know, like our brains are all a little scrambled after yeah. this, this weird thing. So it, 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 I wondered, you know, what does it feel like to have the lyrics almost, I'm sh is is it the case for you often that the lyrics open up and bloom into new things as time goes on? I mean, yeah, definitely. I I often, or especially uh, in the past, like I would I would often not really know what I was even writing about <laughs> until like you know yeah. months later, uh, right. and then maybe playing the song over and over again live, it would start to kind of take on new meanings for me. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, that definitely is, yeah, happened with this song. I mean, Bleeker was, has, was kind of the first person to point out, he was like feeling like half a human in this mess. Like, he's like, that's so yeah. like, it means such, you know, it's like, yeah. it means something very different now or something, or like, he's, he's it, like, it's a weirdly prescient lyric. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, yeah, uh. Yes, it, it definitely, uh, a lot of, a lot of, I mean, everything's taken on new meaning now, I think with, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, absolutely. There's another couple lyrics that I thought were really, really, really interesting on, on this new thing. And, uh, I, I really focused in on ribbon, uh, where you sing, uh, this vessel sustains me, but it cannot contain me. You will not convince me this is all there is for me. And I, I thought that was obviously such a beautiful thing and, on the same front as half a human feels like it has these multiple meanings and, and mm -hmm. sort of various things. Like I, I thought that that lyric really beautifully reflected on lots of stuff at once, you know, uh, it almost seems like a reflection on being in something we've already touched on sort of a recognizable band or a band that has been, you know, um, and when I say that you guys have a distinct sound, of course, like that's a, that's a, I mean that positively, you know, but at yeah. the same time, when it interacts with the realities of the marketplace and the music business and all that stuff, I mean, it can, I imagine feel sort of like a constricting too. Um, did you feel like that was that song? 
was that song sort of coming from that direction or or was it maybe something more what where's your head I mean, at the, metaphysically these days because it feels <laughs> like it's tied to that too you know what i mean i i could definitely i, I mean i like that lyric too be, for the same reason that I, I feel like it could mean so many different things but specifically i mean i wrote that song in the back of the van on tour or i wrote those lyrics yeah. Um, so it's literally like the vessel is like the van that we're riding in yeah. and it sustains me cause I pay my bills by touring. Um, <laughs> right. But, you know, but I'm like, I, you know, it, I was kind of, you know, just exploring the notion in my mind of like, you know, you know, is this what I'm going to keep doing for the rest of my life? Like, am I just going to be in this van when I'm like 50? Maybe, you know, maybe that's not a bad thing at all. Um, cause I, I, you know, I love playing music and I love touring. So like, um, but just kind of, I think, I mean, that a lot of the songs, especially on that, on the main thing, we're kind of thinking about that same kind of idea of like, I'm, you know, in my mid thirties and I've been doing this now for a decent chunk of time. And like, mm-hmm. you know, I guess maybe this is like what I do now or something, you know, like it kind of just thinking about how life is finite and what you choose to do with your life, um, you know, and what that means. And like, if, you know, you know, if it's important or like how important it is, like, uh, in relation to the other things that I do with my life, you know, like being a dad and like whatever. Um, so yeah, um, that is what that song specifically is about. Um, but it's also true that, yeah, like, um, I kind of have had those same thoughts also about, you know, I mean, it's basically, I'm, you can look at it in the lens of touring or in the lens of like, you know, the type of music that we make or the, or just the act of making music at all. Like it's, it's kind of all lumped into the same feeling. Yeah. And I mean, you had already talked about that feeling as the sort of, as the pandemic set in, certainly as the lockdown became part of the reality of, of asking yourself, what, what what who am I? What do I right. do? You know, if if I'm not doing the things I do, who am I? And, and are those the things that make me who I am? All that right. feels tied in. And I mean, and then on, on soon, you know, it feels like you're also leaning into some of that that weirdness. I I specifically remember having a conversation with my wife Becky, and we were I don't remember at which point of the pandemic it was, but it was a, I had this dumb realization and when i say dumb realization i mean it's an apparent thing that it just took me forever to notice but i was uh-huh. like this is not going to end in a way that feels satisfying to the way our brains want it to end because it's just going to sort of sputter into some sort of new beginning and it's going to feel iffy and weird and the the thing we want which is the everything is back to normal yeah, that's yeah, not going to happen everyone you know? partying in the streets like <laughs> like Right, you know, right. like the, it's over now. Yeah, I know, yeah. I know. I've, I've I've had that same thought for sure. Well, and on soon, you sort of lean into that. You know, you're like, there's no such thing as soon, and it feels like you're talking about that. That 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 really the the present moment is the moment. You know, mm-hmm. um, and I, do, do you sing? Is it? Um, I don't have the lyrics, so I'm I'm just like listening. But sure. do you see? Do you sing? The, the stars have never been my thing. My guide, yeah, like my yeah, guide, right? Yeah. Like, so it's sort sort of astrology, like you've never been somebody who's like out in the sort of more woo woo side of things, I guess, or like, 
I don't even know what I was saying there. Like, <laughs> I it's hard to get myself back in the headspace of like writing those words. I I think, I think that I'm more was talking about like, yeah, maybe. Uh, I think what I was maybe saying is like I tend to just kind of stumble through uh, life. Like it kind of like things opportunities present themselves or like things happen and I react where, yeah. you know, I don't really have like a, it's also kind of, I think a little bit reflecting on some of the lyrics from Atlas, the, the Atlas record where I kind of talk a lot about ideas like that. I, I, I don't know. I, I wrote that. That's actually the song that I did write during the pandemic or the lyrics. I yeah. Mean. Um, so they are definitely like reflective of all that stuff that's going on right now. Um, and yeah, and it's, it is definitely just kind of like a feeling of being lost. And I th- and that's also, I think one of the, because f- I've written a bunch of songs since then, lyrics, I mean, um, but I think those were the first lyrics I wrote and it took me like a few months to really be able to, I wrote a lot of songs early on in this thing because I was just like bored, but yeah. I didn't write a lot of lyrics. I didn't write any lyrics because I just like didn't know what to write about or was sort of like frozen because I didn't really, I really didn't want to write about like this yeah you know this I didn't is, write... th- these are my statements about the moment or whatever yeah. yeah like and so that's the first thing that i wrote that kind of was like kind of peeling off the band-aid um and i've been able to write more since then but it was definitely just like yeah it's it's almost stream of consciousness like i, I would have to, that's probably one of the songs where like i don't think i've listened to it even since i've written it enough to like know even what i'm talking about to be quite honest <laughs> like yeah yeah um you know yeah have you started lyrically uh or or rather as a as a songwriter i mean five years ago or so maybe six now you you put out a, a solo record um do you feel like uh moving you know moving forward with the potential for things to still, I mean, just with the future sort of feeling uncertain, let me put mm-hmm. it that way, you know, do you feel like, uh, do you feel like you have a, another solo album in you or, or, or did at some point you decide that you wanted the songs you wrote more or less to be real estate songs for the most part? How, how does that, is there any sort of division in your head? I mean, there is. Um, and, but usually the division is just like, I make a choice post whatever the last thing we were working on is, um, whether or not the next thing is going to be a solo record or real estate record. And I've only done that one solo record. Um, it's a beautiful record. I really, really love, I've revisited that too. And, uh, I, and I want to, like, I, I revisited it to get ready for this interview. And when I listened to many moons, uh, I, hadn't listened to it for a couple of years. Uh, and I was shocked to find that every single song, like I, I remembered every single song, like intricately. And it was like a weird that's thing so for cool. me. Um, I was like, wow, this record's so, so good. So anyway, that's sorry. <laughs> Thanks. That's a, no, I mean, I, thank you. I was, I was, I am, I'm proud of it too. I was really happy with it when we made it. And, um, and I'm, I, it's almost, it's one of those things where now that it's been out for a few years, like, um, I, I I almost look back on it more fondly, um, but the answer the answer is yeah. Like I, I'm actually working on a solo record right now. Um, so, cause yeah, I mean like you said, like things are that that was kind of a decision that I made last year. Although 
I, I basically was just writing a bunch of songs. I didn't really know what I was going to do with them. And they were kind of like amorphous ideas. Um, and then, yeah, at a certain point, we kind of just, I kind of made it to, because we were like real estate, we're, we were kind of talking in the band about when we would make another record. Initially, we were like, let's just make one right away. Um, or let's, you know, <laughs> once this thing is over, like, you know, yeah. this fall, you know, fall of 2020, like back in this, like last summer, we were like, I'm sure it'll be over soon. Like, and we can, you know, right. kind of knowing that that wasn't going to happen, but we were like, you know, maybe we can get together or, you know, like, I guess we weren't really anticipating the like second horrific, like wave. Wave. Yeah. Um, yeah. but we were like, you know, especially last summer when things were kind of relatively chill. Yeah, it felt, yeah, it felt almost like now you know yeah more, n- now more so but then yeah i know what you mean it felt per- anyway we were like maybe we can get together um and then that kind of like s- stopped being something that we thought was going to happen um and then i was just like i i don't really want to i don't know i was like i you know it's been i, I kind of had the, the realization last fall that it had been five years. I was like, oh, wait, that's weird. It's been five years since that last record came out. And I was like, I think it'd be fun to make another solo record. And it's almost like, it just doesn't, like, to me, like, the stakes are lower with the solo record. Like, I don't necessarily, I mean, I would love to tour, but, like, if I can't tour, I don't really mind. Um, or, I don't know, whatever. And it just felt like it was the right time. So, anyway, so, yeah, that is that is what I'm doing right now. Um, it's actually, like, halfway done. So <laughs> Nice. Um, yeah, Are I'm you, excited. Do, do you find some of that same uh, experimentation entering into the equation? Yeah. That you've I been mean, exploring more with real estate, I mean? For sure. I mean, it's more like, I could, because it's it's just me, I mean, this I, it's so stupid. Like, I don't want to, like, be, like, kg but i also haven't really this is the first time i'm talking about the fact that i'm doing it not that it really matters um but like so it's it's just me and this one other person that i'm doing it with um and uh but basically i'm I'm playing everything on it but the drums so it's just a very very different experience um yeah. because like with real estate everything is extremely collaborative um and with this it's like i'm making every single decision so Yes, it's like very experimental in a, in a very different way from real estate where the the experimentation comes from like you know the the collaborative kind of like collaborative group yeah. group dynamic, yeah. Yeah, or like even just like being able to sit in a room and play the song 10 times and or you know or 100 times and like try different directions like with this it's like it's all coming from me which is you know can be paralyzing and I'm trying to just like <laughs> uh ignore that part of my brain and just like i'm having a lot of fun with it i'm doing a lot of it at home too like i basically i did like the basic tracking in a studio with with um with this other person and then uh i'm finishing it at my house and uh in this room basically so yeah that's nice well it looks like you've got everything you need there to to (laughs) do stuff and have fun um yeah i I don't I don't want (laughs) to, I don't want to ask you to explain something that you're not done making yet. Um, but, but before we wrap up and it's been a real pleasure hanging out with you, um, you mentioned sort of stumbling through things and just like kind of looking at opportunities and knowing when to sort of seize them. And I, I wanted to ask about something 
that I saw referenced. Um, in 2017, you guys played a show that was centered around Twin Peaks: The Return. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, that was like a South by Southwest thing. Yeah. So, and and you know, Agent Cooper himself, or Dougie Jones, however you want to put it, or Mister C, uh, <laughs> Kyle McLaughlin in- introduced you guys. Is that right? That is correct. Yes. Had you had, are you a, are you a, are you a big Lynch fan or Twin Peaks fan overall? I, I mean, yeah, I, yes. I mean, I definitely not as much as like even other members of my band. Um, were some like, were some of the other guys freaking out about that whole situation? I mean, yeah, like I I wouldn't say freaking out. They played it cool, but like definitely it was exciting. Um, you know, yeah. and Kyle McLaughlin's cool, um, really cool. But uh, actually, I think actually I had seen some episodes of twin peaks and i thought it was good uh but then i I don't think it was until after we even played that show that i i finally actually watched the whole thing um but yeah that's just a funny that was like it was cool because it was you know related to twin peaks and and uh we got to meet kyle mclaughlin and that was really cool um but it was definitely just like a like showtime like the right the, the tv channel like showcase at south by southwest it was just like another showcase um but there were there were some cool elements about it for sure Um, i think about i think about how how deeply weird the third season of twin peaks was it's my it's probably my favorite maybe my favorite like tv thing i've ever seen um but um and then i think about the the sort of weird uh (laughs) incongruity with like a promotional event for something that is so far out and uh and i think as somebody who paid attention to everything i have to say to it's to showtime's great credit that they they let david lynch do what he wanted to do with that i mean that uh, that's like i think that's like the whole thing with that show though to me or at least like the first two seasons the fact that they were like aired on network television like right it's so cool i mean so that that's like that's almost, I mean, I, I wouldn't say, like, it just, it adds to it. I wouldn't say not knowing that, that it would be a lesser show, but, like, with that, keeping that in mind while you're watching it, it's just, like, it kind of just adds a whole other element to it, because you're just like, I can't believe this was on, like, whatever, primetime, like, TV, you know, yeah. when I was growing up. Um, and I remember being, like, vaguely aware of it, but I never watched it as a kid. Um yeah, it, definitely. That that concept of like, yeah, this super duper weird thing having like a South by Southwest n- like normal ass showcase. <laughs> like, although it was still cool, like because they got us to play, so you know, like exactly, it's like I extra mean, cool. I'm being could, sarcastic. Yeah, <laughs> like, <laughs> but yeah. Um. Well, uh, as much as I, uh, I, I, I hope that there is. I hope that what we saw was the end of Twin Peaks, honestly. But if there is more Twin Peaks somehow, I hope that David uh, remembers that South by Southwest showcase and gets you guys in the the bar so you can join people like uh, Sharon Van Etten and yeah. Eddie Vedder and Nine Inch Nails, all the people who we featured on the third season, along with so many others. Uh, yeah, I hope that's I, I hope would, that's the case. I would be, um, I would not say no to that. <laughs> I'd be very well, excited. Martin, it's it's been really great hanging out with you and talking about this stuff. I really appreciate uh, your time. Yeah, sure. Thank you so much. It was it was fun.
Thanks so much for listening to another episode of Transmissions. Our show airs each Wednesday wherever you get podcasts and, of course, at AquariumDrunkard.com. I'm Jason P. Woodbury. I write, host, and produce Transmissions. Our audio is edited by Andrew Horton. Sarah Goldstein does visual design. And Jonathan Mark Walls makes video slash audio player things for all of our social media and YouTube. Our executive producer, of course, is Justin Gage. We'll be back next Wednesday. I'll be joined by Noah Lekas and Ethan Miller of Howlin' Rain slash Comets on Fire for a sort of wide-ranging countercultural discussion. Uh, before we get out of here, though, a recommendation. I think you should check out Gary Panther's Crash Pad, which is a new uh, graphic novel slash fine art monograph sort of underground comic situation Uh, gary panzer is one of the legends of that genre and he kind of came up with this incredible psychedelic hippie yarn that goes all over the place metaphysically uh, and sort of embraces i think the utopian ideas of 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 the hippies Uh, and gary is you know one of those longtime heads in in it he, he, he goes as far as to uh, suggest a lot more reading material for somebody who's interested in the subject. And he shout out, uh, shouted out past Transmissions guests and Aquarium Drunkard contributor Jesse Jarnow's great book, Heads, which is a biography of psychedelic America. So go back and check out my talk with Jesse about uh, Heads in the archives and go get yourself a copy of Crash Pad wherever you buy comics or books. Uh, It's really beautiful. Fantagraphics does just the the top-of-the-line stuff in terms of their end papers and sort of presenting it as like a fine art piece. So check out CrashPad. We'll be back next Wednesday with another talk, so uh, stay safe until then, and uh, we'll speak with you more 